Welcome to One Does Not Simply, where three friends take on the Lord of the Rings and go on some unexpected journeys. I'm Wanda. I'm Ishani. I'm Navia. And I'm special guest Andrew. This is episode 25, One Does Not Simply Be the Gollum. As always, there will be spoilers for the entire Tolkienverse ahead. So, let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we have, we've taken a long break, but we're back now. Um, and today we actually have a special guest on with us. Um, my wonderful husband, Andrew, who we mention on every episode, Hello. is here. Woo. Welcome, Woo. Andrew, to the pod. Hello, happy to be here. Hi, Andrew. Hi. <laughs> Hi. We, we always thank you. This is the first time we've had you on. Now we'll thank you again. Um, so, Andrew, I mean, you have kind of, I think, been forced into major fandom of Lord of the Rings by being married to me. Um, so I just want to hear a little bit about your experience with the series mm -hmm. and, I guess, first time you read it, first time you watched it, what were your thoughts? I wouldn't say, just to back up a little bit, I wouldn't say that I've been forced into fandom. I would say I was still probably a third quartile fan. And now you push me into the fourth, maybe okay, maybe second or third quartile. Yeah, I was. Um, let's see, I was about twelve years old when the first film came out, um, and so when I was twelve, I read The Hobbit, I read The Lord of the Rings, kind of all in one go. Um, got swept up into the Lord of the Rings mania zeitgeist um, of like oh one through oh three, but then um, just kind of. Uh, you know, like tapered off in my, in my fandom, uh, between 2003 and what, 2016 when we met? <laughs> you became popular. Yeah. Uh, we, ever since, um, we've been together, we've been watching the movies probably like what, 10 times per year. It's really, it's that bad. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> we have a problem. Yeah. Um, plus all the special, special features and, uh, like bonus content. Okay. 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 Hold on. We watch like one of those things every two months or so. Right. Okay. Like we, so yeah. right. Right. I, that, that's not what I, I didn't mean that we watch all of that ten times per year, but <laughs> yeah, at, at least once. Um. <laughs> yeah, we we've literally never watched anything else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reread Fellowship um, probably six months ago, um, and am reading Two Towers again right now. Um, caught up to uh, where you guys are. And so I think I'll probably just kind of stick with the pace of the podcast from here on out. Nice. Yeah. Um, do you, so you hadn't read the books before you watched the movies. I, so I think the first thing I did was read The Hobbit. Second thing I did was um, watch Fellowship. Third thing was finish the Lord of the Rings books and then watch the, the movies as they came out. Oh, and interesting. And then The Hobbit movies I've only seen in theaters once I'm never watching that horse shit again. Yeah, we don't we don't <laughs> Maybe, have those. <laughs> I know there are like um people make like fan cuts, fan edits of of those movies. Uh, I would consider doing that, but yeah. Okay. So, would you consider yourself like primarily a movie fan or like a Tolkienverse fan at this point? I probably don't qualify uh, as a token we're not gatekeeping because, the yeah. token verse here you can be a token verse fan well specifically i haven't read the silmarillion um well yeah I, I think that's probably the defining characteristic of a token verse fan wouldn't you say uh, I, I don't know i mean neither neither wanda nor i as far as i know have read the Sil i sound that saying that makes it sound like i don't know if i've read the silmarillion and i, know <laughs> I haven't read the silmarillion but i'm also pretty sure wanda hasn't right no none of us on this podcast no Wait, i, I have Navi, have I you have, read it but realistically i don't remember a lot of it so. <laughs> yeah okay cool well you you provide our cover to get into the the genuine tolkien that's why i do all the lore the rest drops. of us that's why i'm the designated lore dropper yeah right um well, and I guess then the question is maybe a more interesting version of like, are you a, a Tolkienverse fan is 
if you're rereading the books, if you've been reading along with the podcast, how's it been revisiting them so many years later? It's been super interesting. I love just picking out the differences between the books and the movies um, because, you know, the, they are intended for uh, very different formats, very different audiences. And um, so, yeah, that's probably been the most fun part. And yeah, following along with you guys has been really fun as well. <laughs> Name your favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we will be hearing a little bit more from, from Andrew as we talk about this chapter. But uh, we read a chapter. We, we read chapter two of book four of The Two Towers. And uh, in this chapter, which is the passage of the marshes, essentially that describes perfectly what happens. Uh, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum pass through uh, the dead marshes and then some additional territory on their way to Mordor. Not much happens plot-wise in this chapter, I would say. Um, it's, it's a walking chapter, realistically. But I'd say we actually get a lot of interesting characterization in this chapter, and that's probably what we'll spend most of today talking about. Um, and I want to start off by talking a little bit about one of the major changes in this chapter, which is that we mostly get this chapter from Sam's perspective. And this is, I believe, the first chapter we've had from Sam's perspective. It's kind of um, akin to like previous chapters where we've been in a little bit in Pippin's view or I guess Frodo is really the only other character we've gotten a, a viewpoint chapter on. Uh, and so this is, I, I was actually kind of excited to see this, that, that Sam was our, narr I, I won't even say narrator for this chapter, but it, it, he, we get most of his thoughts and feelings. Um, so what, what did you think about, about being in his mind for the first time? I thought it sucked, honestly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought that it was really hard to have the narration actually go into Sam's perspective um, or Frodo's perspective for like the one or two moments that it does that too. And the reason was that it, the, the descriptions are already, the, the descriptions of the marshes that, that they're passing through are already so miserable that when you go from reading about how putrid the land is and the landscape to getting a sentence about Sam is really upset about all that. It becomes almost too much to handle. Like, I reiterate what I said before about these chapters not being boring. They are just awful <laughs> to, like, actually get through. They're so anxiety-inducing and depressing. And I don't mean they're bad. It's just it's just hard to read. Mm -hmm. Stressful, I don't you know. mean. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I think I had an easier time with this chapter compared to the first one. And maybe that was just me settling into the fact that it's going to be like this miserable journey of them being in these horrible places and feeling bad about it and being frustrated and upset. But I felt like at this point I had settled in and maybe that was also just a reflection of the week I had where I was like, I am miserable and upset and slogging through life. And so I was like, yeah, this is honestly the best walking chapter we have had so far. This is the best walking that we've gotten. I'll take it. I was happy with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, like, I'm probably more along the lines of, of what you were feeling, Ashani, of this didn't piss me off as much as the other walking chapters because it. I, I actually liked that it was interspersed with some character thoughts and feelings. My complaint in the past has been, you know, we're getting so much description of the surroundings and we don't do any progression of any character arcs because we're not, we, we don't know what they're thinking. Um, so that wasn't the case in this chapter. I thought we got actually a lot of Sam and then a lot of Gollum actually in this chapter and what he's doing. And I, even though nothing really happened plot wise, I would say a lot happened within character arcs. Um, so I didn't, I didn't mind, I'm not minding this book as much as I thought I would I'd hesitate to say that because I feel like I'm going to still but so far not so bad yeah yeah Andrew we brought you on we invited some guests on for this this part of the season because we thought it was going to be boring without mm. the guests but actually it's it's fine so 
<laughs> you can I can be excused. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with what's been said. I, uh, it, the descriptions of the surroundings struck me as like, um, he was, he was trying to write for almost like a screenplay. Like, um, like he, he really wanted you to visualize this, um, fantastical world and, and what the, the nature looked like. Um, and, uh, but it, th that said though, it's, I mean, maybe it's because we're all city dwellers, or I guess I'll speak for myself, but it was hard for me to visualize some of the things that he was saying. I think it would be a different experience <laughs> if I knew exactly what these gullies looked like. Um, but yeah, some of the things I'm just not super familiar with. So yeah, it, it was tough to visualize. That's actually, that's a great take. I've never, I, that's a, that's the first time I've heard that. And I really like, as a city dweller, I can't connect with this book. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably the least city dweller uh, person am among the, the four of us, I guess, technically. So, Well, and one of the things I noticed was that it's a very British countryside sort of description. Like, right. marshes and peat bogs are very much, a like, that's the UK, right? And the moors and things like that is very much a, like, English countryside set of imagery and geography and so even like the bodies coming out of the marshes i did some research into peat bog mummies a couple of years ago for reasons and and the reasons were not that i was a serial killer trying to hide a body but yeah it just i think the dead marshes as a a geographical feature are something that are very feel very British to me. And so it doesn't surprise me that that's something that Tolkien would draw on and maybe draw on with a little more accuracy or familiarity, given that that's where he's from. He also, I, I feel like there's, he goes really all in on these descriptions and trying to make them as grim as possible. Um, <laughs> I took note of this particular line where he is describing the surroundings as as if the mountains had vomited the filth of their entrails upon the lands about bro mm. <laughs> yeah I mean, on I mean, one hand what does it mean <laughs> and on the other hand like it's very evocative of just absolute disgusting scenery well and like I, the thing that i was trying to say a couple minutes ago is that what for me what makes these chapters hard to read and again that not like that i'm saying that they're not good they are good but what makes them hard to read is that if it was just language like that like sentence like that over and over and over again without it actually being from this like really privileged third person perspective then it would be it it would it would feel a little bit more modern i guess it would feel a lot more like a cormac mccarthy novel is written where it's just like stretch after after stretch of like almost the the i don't want to say like the land is a character but that is what i'm gonna say because i don't have any other better way to say it um but we get like the we basically have sam and frodo as the points of view through which we see all of this like horror and and that's that for me makes it less pleasurable to read there is a way i think to read to read like horrific descriptions of stuff in a way that's like kind of like you get kind of this giant bird's eye view and you're like, okay, I'm taking in all of this and like the whole thing, like the vibe of it is meant to like send a message to me, but that's not really like what I get from these chapters at all. I guess like my question to you guys is what did you learn about Sam, if anything? Yeah, Sam is, Sam is really like, I think a lot of his narration is kind of like commentary on what Frodo is doing, right? And like, he's kind of like picking up the, picking up the tail end of whatever Frodo has decided to do in dealing with the repercussions of that. Like that, and and in this part of the story, it's mainly that Frodo has chosen to bring Gollum along as their guide, and so Sam's kind of like like every other time you see Sam, he's like thinking about a way to kill Gollum, which I think is funny, um, and then he always just decides, all right, I can't do that because it's disobeying master, and then he goes on and and it on his merry way. I was surprised actually that he didn't kill Gollum at the last part. Yeah, Sam is ready for this shit to go full Donner party like at any moment he is like Gollum could decide to kill and eat us and I have to be ready he's very obsessed with the question of what is Gollum eating <laughs> uh, yeah and how yeah <laughs> well it takes him a while to realize that what 
Gollum is really after is the ring and not to eat them, um, which kind of surprised me. But I guess by this point, the ring hasn't really affected Frodo in a very conspicuous way yet. Um, and, you know, it's, it's very obvious that Gollum is, you know, um, thin and gaunt and malnourished. And so it, it, I guess that's a, a rational interpretation. An error that anybody could have made. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I do also wonder, like, if Bilbo came back and he's telling Frodo and by proxy Sam some of the stories about encountering Gollum, like, I, I think it's canon that Gollum was killing and potentially eating orcs in the caves when he was originally, like, when he and Bilbo originally met. And I think there are, like, bones scattered around. So if that's a detail that gets put into these stories about Gollum that Frodo and, again, by proxy, Sam might have heard when they were younger, it makes sense that that's something that would stick with you. I actually came away from this chapter liking Sam a little bit less. Um, I understand that he's supposed to be, like, a very straightforward and very honest character. And, he, you know, he's got, like, this incredible loyalty towards Frodo. But I came away from this feeling like he he's just like an overly simplistic character where his only two thought processes in this are basically like Gollum bad, protect master. Like those are the only things that he really thinks about. And Like he's a robot? I think he's a robot. <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's more like I wanted some complexity to his morality in a way um, where, you know, I, I can, you get it a little bit when he starts calling Gollum a poor wretch sometimes and you're like, oh, is he starting to feel sorry for him? Um, but it's not explored, I think, to the degree that I want it to be. And he doesn't even seem to be noticing what's happening with Frodo, which I find bizarre. Or at least he, even if he's noticing, he doesn't understand the implications of it. He doesn't understand that it's because of the ring or because they're getting closer to Mordor. He's just like... I'm worried about him. Um, and so I guess, like, I, I wanted a little bit more... I don't know. No, I agree. Yeah. I I think that, like, I... You know, I actually didn't really think about this until you said it just now, but, yeah, Sam has, at least so far, not been written as anything more than, like, a supplemental character to Frodo, right? And that, I think, reflects the fact that he is... He's Frodo's manservant. And basically being being given the shaft by Tolkien as far as like a developed character is concerned. Right. And I like, you can, you can say like, you can say for the movies, they really, they made Sam into like a much more supportive character because if you did not have a fleshed out Sam character, that, um, that second movie would have really been hard to get through. I think. Yeah. I, I was actually too. really, ex I was really excited to see that we were getting a chapter from Sam's perspective because I didn't remember that that happened. And I was like, Oh, great. Um, right, right, yeah. And I think, like, it's actually important to say, like, I don't think this chapter is 100% or even, like, 75% from Sam's perspective because you get so many of those passages that are, like, Frodo felt like he, like the ring was dragging him. And he, you get, like, a lot more of Frodo as well. But you get more of Sam, I think, in order to show more of Frodo. Um, and that, that kind of, like, that just reinforces what you're saying about how it's not really Sam's character that we're seeing more from. Yeah, I would. Yeah, um, I would push back on that a little bit, though, because I think what Tolkien says and what Tolkien shows don't always match up. Um, and we've seen this kind of in the opposite direction with Aragorn, where he's like, "Ah, yes, he looks so majestic and he looks so leaderly," and then Aragorn is like doing fuck all, right? And so here, I think the flip side of that is that. We get a lot of like, oh, Sam has got a simple mind and he's like a very straightforward hobbit who doesn't have any sort of complexity to him. And Tolkien says that, which I think is why a lot of people take that perspective on Sam of like, oh, Sam's not very three dimensional. But then we also get to see things like Sam is aware enough of stuff going on between Gollum and Frodo that when when he sees at the end of the chapter that Gollum is like split personality having a conversation with himself over Frodo's body he not only doesn't accuse Gollum but he also doesn't tell Frodo which could be a very conscious choice of like 
I don't know that Frodo would hear it if I said it. I don't know that Frodo would take it seriously if I said it, because Frodo has already dismissed some of his concerns about Gollum. And so the fact that he doesn't share that to me is not an omission of like stupidity or carelessness. It's an omission of, I could say it, but I don't know that Frodo would take it seriously. And I would rather make sure that Gollum for sure does not know that I'm suspicious of him. Have you guys ever, this is going to be, I sound like a weird question. <laughs> Have you guys ever been in that situation with a friend in any capacity where like there was another, there was like another element, like a, maybe like a person or a golem um, <laughs> that was becoming increasingly shady, but you couldn't be honest with your friend. I think that, I mean, I, I bet this has happened to a lot of people, but what comes to mind for me is like when someone's dating someone that you hate and, <laughs> and you have to make that like really you either have to just bite your tongue and hope they figure it out and in some cases like they don't and they like marry the person or whatever and you're like oh great now i have to deal with this um or you can say something and risk like losing your friendship because people do not act that rationally when it comes to the people they love so that's what immediately came to mind when you said that right okay all right well now that you say that i guess i can kind of understand a little bit more what you're saying, Ashani, because yeah, it's like, it's like Gollum has kind of come into their midst and Frodo's not like dating Gollum or anything, but they, uh, there's still like an attachment, obviously that Frodo has formed with Gollum, um, of some kind. And, and Sam, I guess, like, this is exactly how they adapt it in the movies, right? That Sam notices that Frodo in some way has a relationship with Gollum that is positive, Right, that there is some kind of attachment that's it's doing something for Frodo, and that's why Sam decides to like not speak up about the fact that Gollum keeps saying scary shit. But in, I I do still want to say like in this chapter, Gollum says some especially scary shit. Like oh, yeah. the like he in he has that canonical um, split personality conversation with himself, and and Sam is like kind of awake to witness it, oh, but yeah. he pretends yeah, that so he's not awake. And, and during the conversation, I was surprised at the, the level of like creepiness and incrimination that Smeagol does in this, to himself in this chapter. And Sam still doesn't say anything. And I guess it just doesn't feel like, to me, it doesn't quite add up. I guess it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the attachment between Frodo and Gollum is yet so great that Sam would not be able to say anything. It seems more like Tolkien has written him as sort of a flat character who like to the extent that he's displayed as to the extent that we get his thoughts it's really just because like he's there to witness things like he he exists in that scene to be awake so that frodo isn't awake to witness what gollum one of the uh in the 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 creepy shit speech uh one of the things that kind of stood out to me was when he was trying to sort of logic his way out of the promise that he made and maybe you guys can help me decipher this, but or like I, I don't really understand the distinction between swearing on the precious and swearing by the precious. Like that's uh, because you yeah. didn't listen to last episode. Well, we haven't released you last haven't episode. Released yet, it. In fairness, we we did a whole deep dive on. Oh, this. you did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So can um, someone give me the uh, TLDR? Well, we don't really understand the difference either, but there is kind of a loophole here that he exploits in that he doesn't... No, 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 we do understand the difference. Oh, we do? Swearing I... on the ring was if you swear literally on it as the president swears on the Bible. Oh, Touching right, right, right. it versus, oh, versus just swearing by it and being you don't have to lay hands on it to swear. Yeah, it was like a technicality either... where like Frodo didn't want to like show him the ring. I see. Yeah. 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 Um, but either way, it's there's no cons there's no difference in consequences, right? No, but basically the loophole that I think he's exploiting here is a little different because what he does is he swears that he will protect and help the master of the precious, which mm -hmm. at this moment in time happens to be Frodo, but that could change at any point. So I see. He's it's, basically it's like, like the uh, the Elder Wand, right? You become. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's basically like, well, if I was the master of the precious, sure. then I would help yeah. myself. So A plus work. I think our listeners deserve to hear this uh, this dialogue in full on the episode. And I kind of want Navi, Navi and Andrew 
Yeah, do you want do you want like a like a script reading of this right now? I I think I do. Alright. Who's who's Gollum and who's Smeagol? Oh no, okay. Um <laughs> I, I can't do the voice. No, no one can do okay, the voice. Okay, we're just doing it on our normal voices. Yeah. That's going to be a little bit. No, no, no. You have to get into character. I want to see your vision of Smeagol and Gollum. Okay, listen. We can't do the voice. <laughs> yeah, okay. I want Andrew to be Smeagol and Navia to be Gollum. Okay. That, you felt, it felt like you were very ready to characterize <laughs> us that way. Okay. Wait, I think sorry, that's going to be funniest. So you say okay. Smeagol, promise. Smeagol promised. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> oh, and I was so right. <laughs> oh my god. I've never done this before, guys, that was okay? Immediately incredible. <laughs> yes, yes, my precious. We promised to save our precious, not to let him have it. Never. But it's going to him, yes, nearer every step. What's the hobbit going to do with it, we wonders? Yes, we wonders. I don't know. I can't help it. Master's got it. Smeagol promised to help the master. <laughs> yes, yes, to help the master, the master of the precious. But if we was the master, then we could help ourselves, and yes, and still keep promises. But Smeagol said he would be very, very good. <laughs> nice hobbit. He took cruel rope off Smeagol's leg. He speaks nicely to me. <laughs> I need drinks before I can do this. Very, very good. Oh, my precious. Let's be good. Good as fish. Sweet. What? Wait, sweet one. But to ourselves. Not hurt the nice hobbit, of course. No, no. But the precious holds the promise. Then take it. And let's hold it ourselves. Then we shall be master. Oh, I can't do the golem cough. <laughs> do it. I can't do it. Do it. Do it. Do it in your pool. Do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then we shall be master. Call him. <laughs> make the other hobbit, the nasty, suspicious hobbit, make him crawl. Yes. Call him. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> this is all getting cut. <laughs> but not the nice hobbit? Oh, no. Not if it doesn't please us. Still, he's a Baggins, my precious. Yes, a Baggins. A Baggins stole it. He found it, and he said nothing. Nothing. We hate Bagginses. No, not this Baggins. Yes, every Baggins. All peoples that keep the precious. We must have it. But he'll see. He'll know. He'll take it from us. I hate you so much, Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> he sees. He knows. He heard us make silly promises. Against his orders, yes. Must take it. The wraiths are searching. Must take it. Not for him. No, sweet one. See, my precious, if we has it, then we can escape. Even from him. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> he just is like, even from him, eh? <laughs> Gollum has, uh, has lived in Canada for... <laughs> Some of his formative years. <laughs> Perhaps we grow very strong, stronger than wraiths. Lord Smeagol? Gollum the Great? The Gollum? <laughs> Eat fish every day, three times a day, fresh from the sea. <laughs> Most precious Gollum. We must have it. We wants it. We wants it. We wants it. But there's two of them. They'll wake too quick and kill us. We no, Not now, not yet. We wants it. Mm. Not yet, eh? <laughs> Why is he Canadian? <laughs> Perhaps not. She might help. She might, yes. No, no. Not that way. Yes, we wants it. We wants it. Oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Your little voice, Navia. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I don't that was know so good. No, no, no. It was so good because you had like the you had like a, a theatrical voice and Andrew was just talking. I was just talking, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it was but there was no there was no like ambiguity about which one was the good one, which one was the evil one. 
I mean, part of the reason I, like, wanted that was just because, like, I wanted to, I, like, read that, I read it pretty fast, and I wanted to hear it again, because I thought about that conversation between Smeagol and Gollum. Well, that's kind of, like, calling them Smeagol and Gollum is kind of weird, but, like, between the Gollums, I thought about that conversation a lot today. Um, and about, like, does it really reveal that there are two personalities inside Gollum, or is it the ring exerting its power on Gollum? Like, what's going on? I definitely felt like it was two personalities because there's a point where Gollum says, like, or Smeagol says something like, oh, but we promised not to let him have it. But Gollum's response is like, well, we don't have to let him have it. We could take it for ourselves. Like, and at the same time, he's saying, like, he's searching for it. Like, we should leave the hobbits and take the ring um and so it feels like Gollum is both influenced by Sauron but in the way of the orcs that we met earlier also clearly his own person with his own agenda right like maybe nominally he feels like oh there's this pressure to do x y and z but also hey if I could get the ring and get ahead like I totally would yeah one of the things I actually like about this like the ring as the evil thing is that it's not as straightforward as like it is controlling you you know it's not it the it's not the same as if it was in your head or like making you do things it's more that it slowly plays upon the already corrupt parts of your character which everyone has to some degree and i like that because i don't think we can ever be sure whether Gollum slash Smeagol would have been this way without the ring's influence. I mean, I think we can say, like, he he definitely wouldn't have been this far gone, but he, I don't think you can definitively say, like, which part is him and which part is the ring. So you like the, you like the, the, the ring, like, the influence of the ring and how much the ring is, like, creating this evil within Gollum is left ambiguous. Yeah, I mean, in some other, like, for example, you know, in, I, I, I don't know why I keep bringing up Harry Potter as, like, the only other fantasy series on on this podcast, but whatever. It's one that a lot of people know about. In that series, it's, like, Voldemort literally, like, takes over people's minds, right? Like, that's, he, he takes over and he controls them. And there's no subtlety in terms of, like, which, like, is it them? Is it him? Like, it has nothing to do with their character. It's just another evil being exerted upon them. And I like that this is like different than that in the sense that even with Frodo, right? Like we don't really know how much of what he's feeling is the burden of the ring versus the burden of just like being tired because this is a very long journey and he's in a miserable place. He's probably hungry. Um, he's been like injured several times and we, we just don't know how much of his despair is despair that would have been there already versus like the ring's influence. I, I like, uh, how you contrasted it with Harry Potter because uh, the ring sort of embodies like temptation, right? It's always tempting you um, and uh, tempting you into, you know, sin or, or the, uh, to bringing out the worst parts of, of you. Um, whereas in, in Harry Potter, I never understood what drew uh, Voldemort's followers to him. Like what, what do they, what do they get out of it? I, um, like, I understand, like, what draws people to the ring. It gives them power, right? And and power is is, is tempting them. Uh, well, and it I also mean, has to do with, like, culpability, right? Because, like, if Voldemort takes over your body and then you do a bad thing, then it's like, oh, this person was... This person can basically claim insanity. Voldemort right. has taken them over. Um, but if, if the ring has tempted you to do a bad thing, then there's still some kind of culpability there for you. Yeah. Exactly. And, and never forget, right, that Smeagol kills Deagle before he even ever has the ring. So there's something in him. Right. And I think that, like, I mean, the fact that Frodo is also tempted and eventually, like, does some bad shit is maybe Dol- Tolkien's way of saying, you're, it's still your fault if you do a bad thing because the ring tempted you to do it. Uh, but also, it could be anybody. Yeah, it's a test yeah. of how strong is your moral fortitude? How um, how long will it hold up against the temptation of, of the ring? 
I don't know that it's even as simple as moral fortitude because I think one of the things that he also plays on is the idea of how much power you inherently have that could be magnified by the ring, right? People like Gandalf and Aragorn are shown as having a lot of moral fortitude in this series, but they don't take the ring because it would amplify powers that they already have to the degree that they become dangerous. Whereas Frodo and Bilbo, to some extent, and most of the hobbits who bear the ring, they don't really have that same level of like inherent power. And so there's not as much to corrupt within well, them. One could argue that, you know, that makes the temptation greater, right? You need stronger moral fortitude if, you know, the reward is going to be greater. But that's the thing you, is like, what, it, right? what would they get out of power? Like they don't know what that even means because they're hobbits that have lived in the Shire. Like they don't know what it means to rule or to, you know. Well, for, have... for Galadriel, she's going to be as terrible as the Dawn, so... <laughs> Yeah, because that she, sounds pretty sick. Well, because she knows what power is, right? Like that's sure, yeah. That's kind of yeah. But but Gollum here also says to himself that he might become quote unquote the Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> the one Gollum to Gollum them all. Yeah. Which yeah, is like, although like Caesar, like he wants yeah. to like he and it's just like okay, like he he's going to be he has these like grandiose fantasies um but like when it comes down to it all he wants to do is like eat fish every day which is like actually really moving because it reminds me of like the the the, the deepest darkest stages of of any kind of dependency that you can have where like it's you're simultaneously having these like grandiose fantasies about like holding on to the thing that you like and what that's going to bring for you but then like it, you also can't you you're not even getting your basic needs met yeah i actually thought it was interesting that he even said that about like being the golem because I mean, Gollum had the ring for a really long time and he didn't do anything with it. He just like hidden in a cave. Yeah, I think I think you all are exactly right. There's sort of two axes here. Like one is uh, how uh, strong is your ability to resist the ring's temptation? And the other is how much um, power or uh, special abilities will you gain by having it? And for Gollum, right, his his temptation, his uh, sorry, his strength. To resist that temptation is very low, but um, what he actually gains from it is not very significant, right? He just wants more fish. and <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, Although, yeah. Although, I think it's interesting that we're talking about, oh, the hobbits don't have a lot of power to exert, even if they are corrupted by the ring, when at the end of this chapter, we start to see the first indicator of, not. I don't want to go so far as to say, like, abuses of power, but Gollum gets scared by the Ringwraith, right? It passes sort of farther and farther away, but it passes over them three times. And by the third time, Gollum is basically just like, I don't want to keep going. And what we get in narration, rather than seeing it sort of as it happens, is that, you know, no pleading will move him. And finally, it takes Frodo saying angry words and putting a hand on the hilt of his sword to get Gollum to get up right so frodo is now at least implicitly starting to threaten violence to get Gollum to do what he wants and i was a little sad that that almost got skimmed over rather than had a little more emphasis put on it because that is not really the frodo that we have known up until this point the sort of frodo like the person who would go you're not doing what i want you to do fine like if i have to hurt you or threaten to hurt you to make you do it that's not the character we've met back in the Shire. And the fact that he's gotten to this point and it's been gradual, but like he's already at that point of being willing to potentially hurt someone, you know, that's where you go, okay, well, maybe it's not a big harm, right? Maybe it's not country destroying levels of power but he still has a power that he's willing to take advantage of i actually would have loved to see sam's reaction to that because sam is also in a position of subservience to frodo in some way and it would have been a great opportunity for him to like react to basically the first time he sees frodo kind of abuse that position towards someone else yeah again i don't think we would have gotten that because tolkien does not write sam as that complex of a character in my opinion <laughs> No, I think that's like the definitive proof that like Sam is not really written as a complex character. Yeah, I mean, well, it's hard to know because really we, get, we get oh, cut sorry. off right at that point of the chapter. So we don't even get his reaction to anything. But yeah, I, I have a hard time imagining that we would. But I think that's a really great thing to bring, like, to bring up, right? Do you, I mean, Hishani, do you think that that 
is the function of the ring and the ring sway over Frodo, or do you think that that's a function of the relationship that Frodo has with Gollum all of a sudden? He's in a power relationship with Gollum. You know, I, I think it has to be kind of a combination of both because you look at, well, what's the ring doing, right? And the ring has, even if through the function of, like, Gollum swore an oath by the ring, and so Frodo feels like, well, now you have to do what I say. And that's why he's angry. Or maybe it's because the ring has corrupted him. Or maybe it's because he's getting closer to Mordor and he's becoming increasingly convinced that this is all going to end in failure and death. And so he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to do what I need to do to try and make this work. Like, it could be all of those things. I don't think it's easy to say i mean again it's the voldemort question right it's not as easy as going the ring is puppeting his body and making him do these bad things i think it's inevitably more complicated than that That's yeah fair. the whole thing stinks i don't know <laughs> just like the marshes <laughs> which i know we haven't talked about andrew's requested topic of the landscape i, and- I do want to get to that just like with these next couple minutes here um so we get some some depiction of the these dead marshes and this land basically like just outside of Mordor. Um, and we had some questions. Well, Andrew had some questions <laughs> about it and I think Wanda did too. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna ask these questions? Yeah, sure. I mean, he describes the the surroundings um, and mentions that it's basically a, a barren wasteland covered in like, you know, ashes and gray dust and uh only and i guess sort of darkness lies beyond um you know that the the mountains um that border mordor i forget their names right at the moment but um so you know it seems like you know there are <laughs> uh the opportunity for photosynthesis is greatly reduced here <laughs> and i just wonder you know where you know sauron has to sustain this giant army of orcs and also people from the southern lands right at some point um Mm. how do they sustain themselves do they have is there agriculture in mordor um you know is there fresh water um (laughs) i mean i think the orcs eat each other like that is canon right they (laughs) they definitely Eat. Is that their staple food source, though? Is each they, other? Because that's not very sustainable, right? Do they need food? I, I don't really know. We haven't gotten... My theory is that Mordor is an importer. <laughs> it's a strictly import-based economy. Um, I, sort that, sort that of like some it. of the like the Caribbean islands under colonialism. I mean, I think there is an argument to be made for orcs, like many other species, are purely carnivorous, and they get most of their like reptiles right like there are some reptiles where they get most of their needed nutrients but also things like liquids from consuming others like mammals potentially or other reptiles so there's that argument to be made but i also think like we know that the from way back at the council right that gondor has been holding off the advances of mordor for many years and so yes like the city itself has been protected and hasn't been breached but there's farmland presumably around it and so i think there's also a potentially the option for like are the orcs raiding farms and raiding villages and raiding like the surrounding countryside of gondor and that's where they're getting at least some of their resources i think that kind of leads into wanda's question though of like what are the marshes and what is this area because you know we've seen the orcs like all over middle earth at this point and it's not like everything they touch turns to this barren wasteland right so why does this part in particular exist and i think Gollum briefly states that this is essentially the leftover of the battlefield from the the first war of the ring um but, like, why is it? The marsh and the wasteland are two separate places because they actually say compared to the wasteland, the marshes almost seem like they might have the possibility of spring at some point. So the marshes are where the battlefield was, where, like, the marshland basically reclaimed an old battlefield and that's why there are corpses. The wasteland is where they have, like, 
it's implied based on the language that he's using that they mined the ground and dumped a bunch of like toxic sludge. Somebody asked, what's slag? And slag is the term for like, it's the, the byproduct of like ore refinement and mining. Mm, Okay. So all of the stuff you don't want when you've stripped out iron or you've stripped out like other kinds of metals is slag. I think what I'm saying is Sauron is Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) I I, want to end that discussion there. Sauron Musk. Sauron hosts SNL. Oh, no. Don't worry. They've made him funny. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I I know we usually do quick fire at this point, but I actually want to do something a little different today. I have some questions for Andrew, some quick fire round questions Uh about... Just, like, things about this series. Uh, It's not trivia, don't worry. Okay, uh, which one is your favorite movie of the three? It's Quick Fire, go! Okay, (laughs) Quick Fire, Quick Fire. Um, I would say, if I have to pick one that I would go, that that I would rewatch, probably, probably Fellowship. I know that's that's an unpopular opinion. All right, Fellowship. Uh, Great, because we're about to rewatch it. Not unpopular. Um, That's my favorite, too. I was going to say mine, too, because I, as much as I like the other two, there are parts I always fast forward. Exactly. Yeah. Th- that's what I was thinking. Yeah, like uh, the stuff with Treebeard, as wonderful as Treebeard is, uh, it does kind of drag on. All right. Uh, I know you're currently rereading the books, but you have read them in the past. Which one is your favorite book of the three? You're allowed to pick halves. <laughs> No, um, no, no halves allowed. Mm, <laughs> All or nothing. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that changes the answer. The, the first half of Two Towers is pretty great because, um, uh, I mean, everyone loves Rohan and the Rohirrim. Uh, just a very, I don't know, uh, fascinating uh, people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, first half of Two Towers. All right, Final answer. Navia said this wasn't trivia, but I want you to know that there are absolutely correct answers, and so far, <laughs> yeah. two for two. <laughs> two for two, yeah. Um, okay, favorite character. Favorite character. Um, I I know that we've we've spent the whole episode bashing Sam, but I mean I I love Sam. I mean I I, I just think that his like you know simple country boy uh, vibe just I don't know. I, it speaks I, to you. <laughs> I I grew up in a very rural area, and I feel like I I I know Sam, and I can identify with him in a way, in a in a small way. All right. Um, okay. And actually, I, I really enjoyed getting a little bit more of his backstory in this uh, in this uh, chapter because you know you, you get to see where his some of his self deprecation comes from and the fact that uh, the gaffer is, is such a dick. Um, yeah. Yeah, this, the gaffer. I think there's some, definitely dick. some childhood trauma there. <laughs> All right. Um, and last question: because you are a musician yourself. Mm. Um, by the way, we have a band together. It's called Shards of Narsil. Check it out. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless oh plug. yeah, <laughs> big plug. Best band ever. Um, <laughs> which of the themes, the musical themes in the series, is your favorite? Ooh, you mean the uh, the Howard Shore? Yes, mm. from Howard Shore's delightful uh, score. Rohan theme. Yep. Final answer. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> why i married him yeah uh, okay <laughs> uh, all right wait I, I have some questions too can we wait can ashani oh, and i yeah, ask yeah, questions go ahead, go ahead. all right um what is like a definitive memory that you have around lord of the rings mm, like a like a memory, memory of like seeing the movies or like or like looking through like the catalog in the dvd set or anything like that um Let's see good best definitive memory um i'm trying to avoid like the really negative memories of seeing the hobbit in theaters and <laughs> <laughs> just just being so utterly disappointed uh okay wait like, then, I, then the, I mean, the maybe i have that stick like out a different to me question like the, sorry what maybe i have a better question then like is there you guys watch the the commentaries a lot right like the extras yes yeah, is there like a is there like a part of the extras or the commentaries that stands out to you as like your favorite part? Ooh, um, 
so okay any any commentary that uh involves like like the four main hobbits um you know like dominic moynihan billy boyd um yeah is is just pure gold uh they like oh yeah and and also they like play a lot of pranks on each other i think they're starting a podcast oh are they okay i think if i had to pick one though it's the fact that vigo mortensen like became very fond of headbutting people um (laughs) especially like the 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 orc uh stunt doubles and um a lot of the uh yeah like like the native new zealanders that were sort of extras on the film um (laughs) and by headbutting i mean he would actually like uh, both of them would like go in with their foreheads like simultaneously and i I guess when when they wrapped up filming he went through and like headbutted each person individually like nearly cracked his skull or something like right had a big welt or something i don't know yeah vigo mortensen headbutts final answer ishani do you have any questions before we wrap up oh shit well i hadn't prepared any questions neither but had I. I oh can i go back and answer wanda's first question Wait, just oh yeah 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 just to oh yeah Here just to go. go all in on the neg- negative memories of the hobbit just to make oh you're gonna go all in on. okay oh okay. yeah yeah i was gonna say uh like legolas's like weird uh mario like physics defying leap up the falling up the crumbling uh staircase do you guys remember that <laughs> It's, it's so bad. Where he's like jumping on rocks that are in free fall. It's really bad. Yeah. And I, then... I think I saw the Hobbit on a plane. I did okay. not. I. It might have been the second Hobbit no, movie. No, it was the third one. The third, yeah. And then oh, in the, okay. I think yeah. in the second one, the river of questionable physics where they're doing that like barrel float. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it was so All right. Okay. I, I think here's my question. If you could get a drink with any character from Lord of the Rings. Gimli. <laughs> yep. i don't know if you guys Solid watch choice. um there's a uh there's a youtube kind of uh whole genre called taylor of tear rings uh have you seen this no oh you need to see okay oh, so boy. this is like where they put together like random clips of uh lord of the rings just to make it uh and, and then they'll like throw in like uh techno music and uh they'll just make these short little skits just out of like uh you know splice together clips from lord of the rings it's just like the meme zone yeah and and at the end of every taylor of Turing's thing they have uh uh gimli going like like where he has like a a big (laughs) like uh beer foam like mustache (laughs) thanks for listening to one does not simply this episode was edited by navia you can find us on Twitter at ODNSPod and Tumblr at One Does Not Simply Pod. Extra special thanks to our guest Andrew, as well as to Sneha and all of our listeners for joining us on this journey. If you like what you hear, give us a rating or a review on whatever platform you listen to. This is the chapter that we're on, right? I I read (laughs) two of these chapters last night, and I. What? He's like, I've never, I've never seen this before. (laughs)